Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So excited to begin a new week with you. It's Monday, and uh, we are beginning a new study on the life of David and Mephibosheth. And uh, we're going to talk about kindness. Kindness undeterred. Did you know that kindness provides for four of our greatest needs? So today and tomorrow in the broadcast, I'm going to be talking to you about the story of David and the relationship he had with Mephibosheth, and we're going to extract from this lesson ways that God shows his kindness to us. I hope that you'll join me today and tomorrow, but you think about dignity. Did you know that dignity is one of the most valuable assets that we have? If a person feels like they are dignified, uh, they perform much better. They have a better outlook toward life. Uh, They are healthier. They are stronger. And so we're going to talk about that in our study today and tomorrow as we look at what the Lord did through the life of Mephibosheth and his relationship with David. Well, as you look at this study, we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 9. There's some key players in this message that you need to be aware of. Uh, So let me just read the text for you first. I'll make some comments along the line, along the way, and we'll go through some of the characters in the story today. Well, one day... David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family that is still alive? This is 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, the reason to ask this question is by the time we get to 2 Samuel chapter 9, David is well established as the king. He's established the throne. It has taken him uh, literally years to get into this position. And he is finally at the position where he feels confident uh, in his position. Now, a lot of people died along the way. Uh, And as you understand biblical history, and as you understand how kings would take over, a new king would take the throne, and they would always eliminate the predecessor's family. Now, the reason they did this is to avoid any kind of competition, avoid anybody from attempting to uh, overthrow the, the throne. And so David didn't have to do that because, for the most part, Saul's family had passed. Most of them had died because uh, both Saul and David were men of battle, and uh, Saul had this deep hatred for David and spent the last several years of his life in hot pursuit of David. And so David asked, is anyone of Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for the sake of Jonathan? Now, to understand what David is talking about, uh, we got to go back to a covenant that he made with Jonathan. Jonathan was a close friend of David, and I've, that's what we're going to talk about today, the kindness of these two, uh, and how that led to a promise that David made to Jonathan. David promised to take care of all the descendants of Jonathan. So Saul had a son, Jonathan. Jonathan had a son, Mephibosheth. Uh, now, Mephibosheth, uh, we don't want to get confused because there's actually two Mephibosheths in 2 Samuel. Uh, there is Mephibosheth, who is the son of Saul, and then there's Mephibosheth, who is the son of Jonathan. Now, Saul was the dad of Jonathan, but he had another son, Mephibosheth. That is a uh, son that was born uh, in a relationship that he had with a prostitute. And as a result of that child being born, his name Mephibosheth, some think that name means bad breath, but that's really, I don't think, the true definition of that name. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, But Mephibosheth was brought into the family of Saul, and apparently David got along well with him, and he names his son after 
his brother Mephibosheth, his stepbrother Mephibosheth. As Mephibosheth grows older, something happens. Let's go back to the text. Is there anybody who I can show the kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba. Now, Ziba was one of Saul's key men. He knew the life of Saul. He knew the kingdom of Saul. Uh, He knew the affairs of Saul. Uh, He was one of Saul's servants. And so David asked Ziba to go find any descendants of Saul. And he says, is there anybody left in his household that I can bless? Uh, Yes, Ziba replied. There is somebody left in Saul's family. David wanted to show kindness to this person. And so uh, that person was Jonathan's son, was still alive. Now, we don't even know his name yet. I kind of already gave his name uh, to you. Uh, But as we're going down to verse number three, the description we have of Jonathan's son is not first given his name, but he is first told that he is a cripple in both feet. But David said, where is he? In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar, son of Amiel. So David sent for him, brought him to Makar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. How do you respond uh, when somebody of importance, maybe your boss, says, hey, I I want to talk to you. I want to meet with you. What is your initial response when that happens? I know as a pastor, sometimes uh, some of your church say, well, hey, uh, pastor, I'd like to meet with you. And, uh, and in my mind, uh, sometimes I think, well, um, I wonder what I've done wrong now. I wonder what they're upset about now. And so we tend to be a little bit that way uh, when somebody calls us in for a meeting. Uh, we tend to, to go toward the negative first. And, uh, and I kind of think that's where Mephibosheth was uh, when he heard that the king wanted to meet with him. Now, he knew all about David. Uh, he knew all the affairs of the kingdom. I mean, he was raised in Saul's household, probably. And so he kind of knew all the friction between David and Saul. So when David says, hey, I want to meet you, I would imagine through his mind, he's thinking, well, you know, I'm one of the people that David missed as he was eliminating people that could be a threat to his throne. I mean, really, Mephibosheth was no threat uh, whatsoever. He was lame. He was crippled. And what happened in the story of Mephibosheth, as we look at the story, we discover that when he was five years old, his nurse had picked him up and they were running for safety during a battle, and he was dropped. Now, we don't have a lot of information as to what happened. And I know uh, whenever I think about that story, I think about my kids when they were five years old. And, uh, you know, a five-year-old is a pretty good-sized child and uh, probably doesn't need to be picked up in a case where there's a battle coming. As a matter of fact, most five years old could probably uh, come close to outrunning their parents. Uh, so why is it that this nurse picked up Mephibosheth and ran from the battle? Uh, well, some commentators believe uh, that Mephibosheth may have had either epilepsy or he may have had some asthma. And maybe he was having some problems with asthma, and so he needed to be picked up uh, because he was having an attack. Uh, and so he was picked up, but then he was dropped. And you know how it is when somebody is being picked up, it's almost like dead weight, especially if they're having a seizure or if they're having trouble with their asthma. And so that may have been what happened with him. Uh, He was dropped and he could have, you know, had a spinal cord injury, maybe hit his head and it caused a spinal cord injury. We're not given any of the details. All we know is that he was lame in both feet. He was crippled in both feet. 
And now we do know in that culture, if you were lame, and even in the United States 50, 60 years ago, uh, we treated people with handicaps much differently than we do today. And there's a whole code now that we have, the ADA code that is established so that we will take care of those who have handicaps, whether it is uh, getting a handicapped parking spot or giving them a, a ramp to have access into buildings or having doors wider or doors that open up at, automatically uh, so they have access to public buildings. All these things are done uh, because we hold now in high regard those who battle certain kinds of handicap. Now, in David's time, Mephibosheth was living in a place called Lodabar. Now, that's an interesting word, Lodabar. It means the place where there is no pasture. So he's out there living in the desert. And what a contrast this is to the way the Lord takes care of us. David, the psalmist, wrote that the Lord is my shepherd, right? He leadeth me through green pastures. And so here we have uh, this man, Mephibosheth, living in Lodabar, the place with no pasture. So David sends for him, brings him to his home. And as Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, David is going to take care of him. So when Mephibosheth comes into the presence of David, it says that he bowed low to the ground in deep respect for David. And so David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. So not only was, um, was Mephibosheth in a lowly position living out in the desert, he also thought lowly of himself. That This is not a false humility that he is, is saying, I'm your servant, David. Uh, he could have said, I'm your kin or, or I'm your family. But he didn't go there, right? He could have said that we are indirectly related. Uh, he didn't do that. He says, I am your servant. You know, when I read these words, I thought about the prodigal son. I do remember when the prodigal son finally came to his senses. And as a result of coming to his senses, he's there in a pig pen. He's there uh, eating the pig slop, or he would have ate the pig slop, uh, but nobody offered it to him. Uh, he is at the bottom of the barrel, and he comes to his senses. And he says to himself, now, how many of my father's servants have it much better than I do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my dad. I'm not going to demand my rights as a son. I'm not going to say, you better take me back because I'm your son, because I have, I, I have written off the family. I have blown the family inheritance. I've been ashamed of the family. I've been disowned by the family. Instead, he says, let me go back as a servant, because he reasoned that he would be better off as a servant living in the room over the garage with his, in his dad's home than he would be out living in the pig pen. Uh, so he lowers himself, he humbles himself, and goes back to his dad, wanting to be considered a servant. Of course, you know the rest of the story. The father sees the prodigal coming home, and he runs to him. And as he runs to him, he celebrates, and the, and the son can, can barely get his little speech that he prepared out uh, talking about the fact that he sinned against heaven and against, against the father, and he's no longer worthy to be called his son. He doesn't even get his full speech out, and the father throws a party. 
a celebration. He says, this my son has come home. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So here we see Mephibosheth coming into the presence of King David, and he's coming in as a servant. He has bowed himself, and he gives greetings. What does David say? David says, listen, don't be afraid. I love that phrase. Don't be afraid. Some translations say, fear not. It's the same uh, response that God says of us. Fear not. I don't know how many times that phrase is found in the Bible, but it's a ton of times that little phrase, fear not, don't be afraid, be strong, be courageous. And so that's what David says to Mephibosheth. Don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness. I'm going to show you kindness, not because of who you are, not because you're lame. I'm going to show kindness, not even because I'm that great of a person. David says, I'm going to show you kindness because of my promise that I made to your father, Jonathan. David was going to be kind because of a promise that he made to Jonathan. Now, to me, this is a powerful reminder to us. We ought to be kind. Be ye kind to one another. Build each other up, right? I used to uh, make my kids sing a little song, and I won't sing it for you today, uh, but it's be kind to one another. Build each other up. Build each other up. Build each other up. Up, 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 up. That's what we should be doing. Build each other up. As a matter of fact, if you have trouble with your children using bad words, and it probably will happen, right? As they're coming along, they're going to be exposed to some creative vocabulary that maybe you don't want them to use. How do you correct that negative vocabulary? Well, give them the Word of God. Give them Ephesians 4.29 and say, I would like you to memorize this verse, and every time that you get tempted to use one of those flowery four-letter words that you know you should not use, think about this verse, quote this verse to yourself. You know, the Bible answers every kind of sin that you can face. You name the sin, and the Bible addresses it. Uh, Maybe you have trouble with lying. Maybe you have trouble with stealing. The Bible addresses those. And so, if you have trouble with a bad mouth, memorize Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication. Proceed out of your mouth, but only use words that are uplifting, that are building up others. You see, when we use foul language, it cuts other people down. We may think it is building ourselves up, but in reality, we're tearing ourselves down too. As a matter of fact, I was cussed out not too long ago, and, uh, and, and I uh, was talking to this person, and I, and I says, is that the most creative adjectives that you can use to describe me? I said, you need to expand your vocabulary uh, and stop using one-syllable words. I said, if you could become creative, uh, God could really use you, right? And this person looked at me sideways, didn't know how to respond to that. And so uh, he went into another tirade, and I said, well, listen, I hope that you have a great day. And he walked away. He didn't know how to respond. Well, I'm happy to report uh, that uh, about an hour later, Uh, This individual sent me a text and apologized and says, I'm sorry I lost my cool uh, with you, and uh, and I shouldn't have lost my cool with you. So I invited him to church, and uh, he hadn't made it yet, uh, but I'm praying for this guy that I'll see him soon in church. So as we get back to the story of David and Mephibosheth, David made a promise to Jonathan. He is being kind to Mephibosheth because he promised Jonathan that he would take care of of his family. You see, the heart 
of David and Jonathan were knit together. On Monday's broadcast next week, I'm going to be looking at the story of David and Jonathan. Uh, We kind of jumped ahead of that. David has passed away. Saul has passed away in our story today in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And we discovered there's somebody left in the house of Jonathan, the house of Saul, the grandson of Saul. Mephibosheth is alive, and he needs someone to take care of him. Now, David made a promise to Jonathan that I'm going to take care of your descendants. And so David said, I will give you all the property, talking to Mephibosheth, that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. We're now in verse number eight. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully, and he exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Now, I think Mephibosheth is kind of blown away by the kindness of David. I honestly think that when he entered into the palace, he was thinking, well, you know what? Uh, my days are numbered. The king is calling me in. Uh, he, he didn't have a good relationship with my grandfather. They fought like cats and dogs. And my grandfather hated David. And my grandfather, on, on a couple occasions, tried to kill David. And now David is going to get back at Saul by killing his grandson, and he's going to kill me. And so Mephibosheth says, well, who am I? And again, calls himself a servant. Uh, who am I, your servant? Literally, that could be translated, your slave. You know, you could kill me, right? But why are you showing me this kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So here we learn that that Ziba is going to farm the land that David gave to Mephibosheth, returning the land that belonged to Saul to Saul's descendants. And Ziba is going to farm that land, tend that land. He'll have enough to produce to take care of his 15 sons, and he'll have 20 servants to take care of this land. And Mephibosheth is going to be eating at the king's table, eating food that is provided by this land that Ziba is going to take care of. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Now, don't you love that? So Mephibosheth was given a place of honor, uh, and he sat with the king's own sons and ate with the family. That's amazing when you think about it. He wasn't in the servants' quarters. He wasn't off to the side somewhere. Uh, He ate right there with the family. And then verse number 12 says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Now, the reason I made a distinction at the beginning of the message that there are two Mephibosheths, because it appears as you go through this story, and we don't have the time uh, to develop it all today and tomorrow, but as you go through the story, it appears uh, that Mephibosheth double-crosses David. 
in this. Uh, it's an interesting uh, way how it plays out, but we learn that that wasn't this Mephibosheth. This was the, the son of Saul uh, who tried to double-trick King David. Now, it, it didn't work, thankfully, but, uh, but he was kind of a snake in the grass. We also learn in this story this guy Ziba. Ziba was kind of a conniving guy uh, as well. Now, remember, he was the servant of Saul. And we learn later on in the story that, that he actually lied about Mephibosheth, and he uh, told David that Mephibosheth was trying to, to steal some things, the property and all that. Uh, and the reason he did that is because he thought David would say, well, uh, I can't trust Mephibosheth. You take the property, not him. And uh, Ziba had no rights to the property, but he thought, well, maybe uh, if the king becomes aware of this uh, fabricated story that I've made about Mephibosheth, that he'll give me the property. So and when we look at the life of Ziba, uh, Ziba was quite the character, okay? Uh, he would play good cop, bad cop uh, to whatever angle would benefit himself. And here we see that he's going to be a servant, taking care of the land that was given to Mephibosheth, and he's doing it for the purpose of, of getting into the good graces of the king. And, uh, and he's not really doing it because he wants to, but he wants to make a good impression on the king uh, and build a, a trust relationship between him and, and David. So it's a fascinating story, okay? Uh, well, as we look at the lessons that we want to learn from Mephibosheth, we learn here that David was extremely kind to Mephibosheth. And when we look at this story, David had to leave Jerusalem during the time of Absalom's revolt. And Ziba was there, right? Ziba was a fighter. His name means fighter. And, uh, and in 2 Samuel chapter 16, uh, we discover exactly what Ziba did and blamed Mephibosheth, right? Uh, it, it says that, uh, that Mephibosheth took two donkeys and, and he uh, took 200 loaves and 100 clusters of raisins as provisions for the youth. When asked where Mephibosheth was, he accuses his master of remaining behind. Remember, Mephibosheth was now his boss, right? And he says, he, this is what he's done, right? He says, Mephibosheth, and he's talking to David, and he says that, that he is left behind, and, uh, and then he confers upon Ziba, uh, his master's estate. Uh, so here we see that, that Ziba was kind of a snake in the grass. He accuses his master of remaining behind purposely in hopes that his father's kingdom will be restored to him. Now, after Absalom's death, David sets out to return to Jerusalem and, uh, in the east of Jordan, and Ziba was there with his two sons and his servants, and, uh, and we kind of told them in the parentheses there uh, that, uh, that they were doing some things that were kind of underhanded, Okay. And so when we look at Ziba, we've got to remind ourselves uh, that, that Ziba would, uh, would play both, both sides uh, depending on how it best benefited him. Well, I got a little bit ahead of my story. Let's bring it back, okay? Let's look at where we're going in this matter of kindness. And I want to ask you to join me tomorrow, okay? Because I'm going to give you four ways that God meets our deepest needs through kindness. And he does it by giving us dignity. And he does it by offering to us not only dignity, but also accepting us. And he does it by allowing us to have this relationship with him. And as a result of that, we are restored. He brings us into a restored relationship 
with him. That's what good friendship does. And that's what God has done on our behalf. And then we'll learn again tomorrow uh, that the reason he does this is because uh, he is affirming us with love. And uh, to me, that's that's the most godly trait. So join me tomorrow as we look at how God reaches us with kindness and takes care of our greatest needs through kindness. Now, the reason this is so important, if we can take these lessons, we will reach out in kindness to others and be able to share the gospel with others. I'm going to begin the broadcast tomorrow sharing with you about three people who just prayed to receive Christ. I'm going to share with you how that happened. I'm going to share with you how you can share the gospel and actually share the gospel without getting into an argument and being keenly aware of where the Lord is leading. So join me tomorrow as we have part two. I want to pray for you. If I can pray for you specifically, and many of you have been sending me text messages, thank you so much, and I will reply to your text message. We prayed for a couple of our broadcast listeners today in our prayer time. If I can pray for you, you can send a prayer request anonymously if you feel better doing that. Shoot me a text, 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.